1: Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrowcom slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
3: Just to warn you guys, this episode has some strong language and discussions of a sexual nature. The final season of Succession has arrived.
2: Everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children.
3: What's your story, hunky-dory? Fuck
0: oh. You lack killer instinct, you're wet, you're green, you're intellectually insecure, you're hey, not emotionally bullshit. strong enough, you
3: no. have addiction Wait, issues. Wait, that, that's enough. Why do we love watching shows about the super-rich? You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph, for The Guardian. I have never been happier to be reunited with my tragic, rich and chaotic TV family. If you haven't ever watched Succession, yikes, that's very embarrassing... But don't worry, because I'm here to school you on why it is simply that girl. Even though it's about rich people being horrible.
2: We're talking on Succession D-Day, so it's a bit bittersweet, but um, excitement is high.
3: Michael Hogan is a writer for The Guardian and he knows his pop culture and TV.
2: It's very hard sometimes to get the final season right, as we know. Uh, game of thrones so um (laughs) let's let's
3: not talk about the starbucks cup that was in the
0: scene
3: before we get into talking about succession and all of the weird and wonderful themes that come from it i am going to do a little bit of a quiz with you and i have some statements and i want you to tell me if you think this was said by logan roy or brian cox the first one is Not to be crude, but politics is what comes out the asshole. Who said that? Logan, Roy, or Brian Cox?
2: Well, I think it's the sort of thing Logan would say, but I reckon in this case, Brian Cox said it.
3: Do you? Okay, well, I am pleased to announce you are wrong, actually. (laughs) This was said by Logan Roy. The next statement is, money has become
2: the new god. I'm gonna go for Brian Cox again. Is that your final answer? Oh, you're, you're, you're psyching me out now, Shantae. Uh, yes, that's my final answer.
3: You are correct! Yeah! Well done. He said this in the Evening Standard magazine. In an interview, we know he's like very into his politics. He was even on Question Time as well.
2: Brian Cox and Logan Roy obviously have certain characteristics in common, but they they they, mm. they rewrote the Logan Roy character to incorporate Brian Cox's own backstory, which was a sort of Dundee council estate, very rough and challenging upbringing. So they are quite hard to tell apart in many
3: Okay, we'll make this our third our third and final. Would you like to hear my favorite passage from Shakespeare? Take the fucking money.
2: That's Logan Roy.
3: You are absolutely correct.
2: I think that's around the dinner table with the Pierce family. Because there's this um rival sort of media dynasty in succession called the Pierces, who are kind of a bit genteel and liberal and think that they're slightly above the whole money mm-hmm. thing.
0: Would you like to hear my favorite passage from Shakespeare? Take the fucking money.
3: So for those who kind of haven't watched it, but they've seen the buzz and they're curious, how would you summarise Succession?
2: Succession is the, it's King Lear meets the Murdochs. It's about a kind of craggy old tycoon played by Brian Cox called Logan Roy, who owns this sprawling media and entertainment conglomerate called Waystar Royco. And he needs someone to succeed him. And he's got four children and none of them quite seem up to the job. And it's all about the more scrapping for position and the sort of power struggles to become his chosen heir.
3: And it's also just hilarious and written so well. And you can kind of see that in the way that it's taken hold online. Like There are so many memes, like one-liners jokes that are succession related. People on TikTok have also started doing things like Filming family gatherings like weddings or like christenings or birthdays in succession style, like even the the way the camera pans. But I love it. It's so influential. And what do you think it is about the show that has made it such a cultural success?
2: I think I think it's I think you touched on it there. I think it's the writing. I think it's wildly well written. I think it's probably you know the best written TV show of the last five years, certainly maybe longer. And it's written by Jesse Armstrong who sort of cut his teeth on things like peep show the thick of it and it takes those sort of sitcom characters who are fairly reprehensible self-serving cringe-inducing cowardly insecure characters and then just sort of puts them into this kind of big glossy sort of majestic drama um and and somehow makes us care about them um and it's and it's superb in that way i think that you know the, the dialogue is so dense and it kind of crackles and Zingers fly around the screen, and things happen in the background. It kind of rewards a rewatch because you'll always notice something you didn't notice the first time. And I think that's why that's why it becomes such a breakout thing. And and together with the music, um, Nicholas Bratell's yes. written this amazing theme music that has just become quite iconic.
3: Yeah, it's got its own sort of like signature way of being that I think cuts through in a way that other shows don't. Another amazing thing about the show uh, is the storylines, the characters. They are some of the most irritating, annoying, punchable people. But every single week, I want to know what is going on in their brains. If I had no filter, I would probably be like them. That is what they're like. They're the most unhinged people ever. And I (laughs) identify with that. There are some really interesting storylines. One that I think for me is hilarious is Connor Roy, Logan's oldest son, running for president.
1: I think I finally found a job I want to do.
0: Okay, what is it?
1: President of the United States.
3: <laughs> There's also everything around Kendall Roy and this weird obsession with like hip hop and rap music and <laughs> feeling the yeah. need to become the artist. Is he about to strip? I, just remember I think he's I'm going
2: to masturbate
3: on stage to a photo of dad. Cosplaying as some sort of like corporate activist. That's really hilarious.
1: L to the OG. Dude be
3: the OG. Those are some of my favorite storylines, but are there some for you that are... Just absolutely hilarious and unforgettable.
2: Yeah, Conor Roy is brilliant. I, th- I think he's basically Jared Kushner stroke one of the Trump <laughs> juniors. It's sort of like su- such a someone who's grown up with close, so close to power and money that there's a sense of entitlement that they think mm. they deserve that. And he's he hasn't got two brain cells to rub, rub together, Connor. Um he's also got a fiance, Willa, who's an unsung star of the show, I think. Um, and he doesn't he collect Napoleonic memorabilia and he and he's bidding for Napoleon's <laughs> desiccated, <laughs> desiccated penis in one storyline at auction with with his dad's money, obviously. <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> trying to buy Napoleon's dick. Hmm. Naturally, is it pickled in a jar or it's dried?
2: Another storyline that springs to mind is Roman and Jerry. Roman is the, the loose cannon son. He's kind of um, unfiltered and Sort of slightly slimy and creepy, but gets many of the best singers in the show. He, he's just hilarious, right? And everything he says is funny. And he's in this kind of bizarre, it's a sort of psychosexual S&M relationship <laughs> yes. with, with Jerry Kalman, one of his dad's old sort of loyal lieutenants. She's kind of raised star Royco's general counsel. And she's about twice Roman's age, but she's kind of seen him grow up. And he's got this kind of slight kinky thing for her. And and they they sort of develop it. And they become kind of allies, but with the occasional interlude of something a bit saucy. And there's there's an amazing scene in the last series where Roman sends Jerry an intimate intimate item, I think he calls it. It's a dick pic, and accidentally sends it to his (laughs) father. And it's just the most... Squirm inducing thing. (laughs) And and Kieran Culkin, who plays Roman, is just a brilliant actor and and he inhabits Roman. And he just, the minute he's pressed send and realizes what he's done, he kind of curls up Mm. into this little ball of kind of embarrassment so brilliantly.
3: Successions, I guess the, the interest in it or the success of it comes amid a wave of like these sorts of shows that are about the rich and about the famous there there's been maybe a bit of a shift in my opinion anyway that a lot of the shows used to kind of like glamorize and glorify you know these this is the life of the rich we kind of look up at them and we are the outside of it and we can't really critique them necessarily but they live interesting and wild lives and now these shows are focused more on this idea of like eat the rich and you kind of see this in shows like white lotus as well as kind of the menu glass onion and you see it a lot in succession because amid all of the kind of witty banter and chat, there are actually some really horrible things that they're covering up simply because they have money. And so you Mm, are mm. more critical of that. And I think it's more displayed in a way that I haven't seen in TV before.
2: It's become labeled eat the rich and therefore people are kind of practicing loads of shows with that. Whereas in fact... Mm. I think things like Dallas and Dynasty, especially, were always a bit like that. They, you know, the the, the 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 rich people were always up to skullduggery in boardrooms, and they were always covering things up. And J. J. R. Ewing was always getting up to dastardly deeds, and, and then throwing money at them to cover them up. Having said that, I do I, I do think there's a lot of it around at the moment, and then there's something you know really juicy and compelling about people who seem to have it all actually being monsters and and I so I think succession taps into that really well you know everyone always compares it to the murdochs and 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 that was the original model for it and there's there's echoes of the maxwells and the redstones and the trumps certainly and even you know in some ways the british royal family i think you can see a lot of their traits and behavior in it you know there's a you know a, a long serving leader who's Children have been waiting a long time to, you to, know, to, to 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 rise to the throne, and maybe none of them are quite up to it, and they're all flawed in different mm. ways. You know, there there are parallels all over the place. So I think it's about it's about family and power as much mm. as it's about money. I think
3: it's interesting because when I was at the Sky premiere of the first episode of season four, um, Jesse Armstrong did like a kind of a little bit of a Q and A afterwards, and one thing he was saying was that there are people who like work for or associated with these kind of rich families um and they will come up to him and be like you know did you did you write this story based on x and y billionaire tycoon and he'll be like I don't know who that person is. I don't know anything about their story. And they'll be like, well, you know, it's just that like the story of succession is so it's like that's exactly what he's like, or this is exactly what happened. And it's like, it's quite interesting that even without trying to draw from a particular narrative or story or family, it is like actually very representative of a lot of these large rich families who are dealing with these issues of like who will succeed and you know, everyone playing their role in the families.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is really well researched show, I think. You know, they have, I don't know if you've heard about the the wealth consultants they have on the show that are quite that's quite an interesting thing so so that there, there are certain people on the production who kind of advise on the details of the super rich lifestyle so they get like little things right and one of the famous things you know one of the most famous examples of that is in season one the first time you see the roys getting out of a helicopter which happens quite a lot in the show overall but mm-hmm. the first time you see it Everyone kind of, you know, everyone's instinct, ducking out, getting out of helicopters, slightly duck your head and put your hand over your head maybe. And the wealth consultant said, no. Jerry and Frank and Carl and the people who aren't the Roy's can do that because they're normal people. But the Roy's have been getting out of helicopters their entire lives. They know that the, where the propeller is. They know not to, mm. you know, that it's not going to chop their head off. So they should just, as uh, I think Kieran Kalkin put it, um, if I'm allowed to swear walk right the fuck out of the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> whereas like you know, like like they own the place in that entitled way. Whereas the the minions around them are the ones who are ducking their heads. Right. So it's little so it's little things like that.
3: You said you did notice that there's been a somewhat of a shift in the in the sense that there's more of these mm. films and TV shows about the lives of the rich being made. One thing you're you're kind of starting to notice is I think particularly with like the menu and glass onion it's kind of this whole thing of oh you know rich people are bad and that's kind of where it ends there isn't much of a opinion being put forward and I think it's they're supposed to be satirical they're supposed to kind of have this sort of like message or I feel like there's supposed to be a message but it kind of feels like it always falls flat so now I'm just seeing rich people being weird for the sake of being weird (laughs) I'm starting to feel like part of this new-ish genre Feels a bit contrived in a mm, way that mm. I don't think Succession is. Do you think that Succession does rich people drama different than what we see out at the moment?
2: Yeah, I do, and I think it's partly because it's so well researched and and, mm. and nuanced. I think, and I think the White Lotus is too, to an extent, because if you remember the, the you know the the first series, the White Lotus, the, the better series, in my opinion, when there's the sort of family of the tech entrepreneur. And she's got these kind of re- three really sulky teenage kids and this sort of husband who's very self indulgent and is worried about various health issues. But they have this kind of a conversation around the around the lunch table about colonialism and and wealth and entitlement and privilege. And that's really smart, I think. Really smartly written. And uh, you know, and and to the older generation are getting all defensive, like, oh, what well, do you want us to give our money away? Yeah. And the and the young people are like, kind of, you know, maybe a bit more right on, but they still like the trappings of being in a five star resort in Hawaii, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I think successionists and, and white legislators are very good at that kind of generational thing. I think, I think what you find in, in real families is you often get that dynamic of the people who have made the money, like Logan Roy, they're fairly happy, those people. They've made the money, they've earned that life, they, they've made something themselves. Generation below have grown up with the money who haven't, mm. heard, are caught in this strange limbo where they kind of, they don't really have a place in the world. You know, do they, do they do they just become a socialite and pursue a life of pleasure and hedonism? Do they try and work for their own thing? Do they try and mm. work for their parent? And I think you see that in all the, all the, the, the Roy's siblings in succession. They're all torn. None of them quite know what to do with themselves.
3: And it's interesting because you do, I don't think I feel sorry for them, but I'm intrigued by them. Because I'm watching it and I'm like, all of this is so plausible. Like, all of this makes sense. Like, I, I would behave like this if I grew up in this way. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah, that's what yeah. I, I really enjoy about it. Whereas there's something about, I guess, like, living up to the, like, perceived stereotype of being rich that's really leaned into in some shows that just feels a bit,
2: this isn't for real. I think that's a writing issue. I think I think if they're cartoonish and slightly unbelievable... Mm like they are in, you know, a lot of kind of Netflix schlocky dramas. That's that's one thing. I think things like Succession and White Lotus are, are, are a tier or two above those.
3: You wrote this really, really, really interesting piece where you interviewed people who are in the circle, in the realm of these top, top business men and women, very prestige families, and you are asking them about how how true to life are the representations of like rich families on succession and what are the things that are similar? What sort of things do you notice? And you got some really fascinating responses. And I just want to hear a bit about the things that intrigued you most from that interview.
2: The sort of nomadic lifestyle of these people is interesting as so well they don't really seem to belong anywhere you know they've got you've got so much money you can have a home anywhere and they have multiple homes and they kit mm. them all out pretty much the same because they hire decorators they don't choose anything themselves obviously. The identikit thing. I know and they kind of go there and their wardrobe's already there and you know they don't they don't, need, they don't need to pack you know because the same clothes are there um and you know someone said to me that The super rich are never cold. The minute it gets a bit chilly or rainy, just go somewhere else. But but these locations, it doesn't really matter where they are, you know, because, you know, you see in in succession in in the Italian episodes where they go to the wedding in Tuscany, they could be anywhere. They, They spend all the time scheming and jabbing at their phones, much like they would anywhere else. This really interesting woman who used to work as a private tutor to kind of Russian billionaire oligarchs said that. She once got in a sort of helicopter, private helicopter, over the Alps. And this two hour journey, she, she couldn't believe the scenery out of the window. They didn't look up from their screens once.
3: Because that's regular Degler for them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they sort of their senses are a bit dulled. They're kind of insulated from the real world. There's kind of fleets of staff around them the whole time. So they don't really know how to do anything.
3: I think of Kendall Jenner trying to cut a cucumber. Brooklyn
2: Beckham and his kind of insistence that he's just invented the GNT and the sandwich. <laughs> and that's what I think that's what you see in the in the in the Roy children. They kind of They sort of don't know what to do. They're not real, they're sort of ghosts of people.
3: Let's put a pin in this, and when we circle back, we'll get into the writer's room.
1: Welcome back, rats.
3: Mickey Down is the co-creator of Industry, the cult TV drama which looks at the sex and drug fueled lives of investment bankers. I wanted to ask him, what is the appeal of writing about
0: rich people? For me, Industry came from my personal experience working in finance, and that's literally where... The, the kernel of the idea was. And yeah, me and Conrad, my writing partners, worked in that world and we were very exposed to it. And we thought there are some really fascinating characters in this place. At that point, Succession hasn't started and The White Lotus and Big Little Lies and all those things that actually I feel they don't deal into caricature in the same way that they might have done if you know, these, ep- these shows had existed 10 years ago. It's an authentic uh, portrayal of that life. And there's a sort of weirdly aspirational quality to these shows, but there's also some thrill in watching people, you know, jump off yachts and fly on private jets. And it's kind of nice to, as an escape mechanism to see that stuff. Don't try to figure out how much you get paid by the hour in IVD because I will guarantee you it is less than minimum wage. Well, the way I see it, I'm in the ivory tower upstairs. You're down here on the floor with the peasants.
3: I think it's really interesting the way that you guys portray banking. You portray this entire industry. And and what I really like about industry as well is that The presentation of wealth compared to a show like Succession is is very different. It's less decadent. But being a Londoner, I know that these things are expensive. When it came to industry and looking at um, not only kind of the graduates, but the older professionals and management and clients, like how did you work out what the markers of wealth were for these individuals and make it kind of specific to British culture?
0: I, I I hate to describe the people in the industry at the bottom of any kind of ladder, but they kind of <laughs> are at the bottom of the ladder that succession that is. Me?
3: Like, Damn. Exactly,
0: exactly. And I think succession is dealing with the, you know, the the super, super rich, you know, the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. And industry really is, I think, you know, living in London, you're kind of adjacent to these kind of people at the time. as I said, I worked in finance, so the way that people talk to each other, the way that the people dress, the signifies of wealth within that world were always pretty clear to me. I still have lots of friends that work in the industry and I just see that there's some sort of like kind of homogenous way of behaving, way of acting. There's a certain type of person of money in London that looks and acts a certain way. And me and Conrad, we always were very clear that we didn't want this to feel like a caricature of mm. a certain kind of wealth in London.
3: And it's interesting you bring that up, this idea of authenticity being something that kind of demarcates the good shows about rich people from the shows that might be a bit naff. I don't know if you watch The Menu. I like the idea of it, but like you said, I think it leaned into a lot of the caricatures of of rich people. And even Glass Onion as well kind of leans very heavily into the, to the caricatures of rich people as well.
1: So
2: first, a proper tour of the Glass Onion.
0: <gasps> oh, yes.
1: Here we go. oh my God! Like our yes. right. our <laughs> in Should we, um, get our bags, um... Is someone will get them forward, so, okay. I
3: okay. Aside from the writing and aside from the authenticity, do you think there's something that separates the, like, like, the men from the boys when it comes to shows about wealth?
0: Those are really good examples. And, like, I actually, you know, something like The Menu, I actually thought had a really great first act and it felt like this was a kind of quite well-realized satire about this very specific world. And then I do think it just sort of, it lost itself of its own ass, if I can say that. And it, a very obvious depiction of that world. There are just sort of lazy stereotypes which people just fall into when they write this stuff. And say like an example of that for a show which I actually quite liked, but also has many, many problems is You, oh, which yeah. is on Netflix. Let's especially. get into it, please. They're caricatures of people that don't exist. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know where these people live in London. I've been to these places where, where this is supposed to be set, and I haven't met anyone like this, <laughs> let alone to have I met these good friends before. <laughs> like- Audiences are smart and audiences understand when you're showing them something which is totally fake.
3: Yeah, yeah. I really hate that. And I also hated the way that he just walked everywhere. Why are you lying? You do not walk all the way to this university every day. Where is the tube? What's going on? <laughs> <You still laughs> How many it. people is this guy going to kill and get away with? And I know white privilege exists, but not like this. Even the best serial killers got caught. So somebody's lying. When writing industry and thinking about these characters and their backstories and their narratives, like, what do you want people to think or feel about these kind of high powered financial institutions? Like, is there some sort of underlying message you want people to go away with? But for some reason, I'm still kind of rooting for them. Like, do you want us to see bankers as humans and not walking pound signs? (laughs)
0: the best thing that I, I I hear people take away from the show is that they can't really work out what the message of it is. Okay. And I love how it's ambiguous. And, you know, sometimes it feels like we really want to empathize with these characters and sometimes we feel like, we feel like we're shining a light on them and showing them to be sort of, you know, devoid of real, of humanity. Mm. And... I think, I know I love the characters, obviously we've created them, so we think all their contradictions are very consistent and realistic. You, There is a sort of inherent criticism of the world of finance, mm. but that's not to say that we're critical of the people within it. What, do, what, does, what does your life look like when you basically make money or North Star and you basically tell the world that you're going to leave vulnerability at the door mm. and you decide like actually having relations with peop- relationships with people and forming relationships and you know, love and all the things that you're meant to strive for in this world come secondary to money. What does mm. that turn you into? That is a you know, tale as old as time in lots of different, you know, in, in literature and film. And I feel like it's just something we're telling again. There is a weird thing in shows about banking and lifestyle and rich people is that, you know, as I said before, they need, they need to be aspir- aspirational for them to work because you need to, at some point be hoodwinked into thinking this is something you like as an audience member some people watch it and say oh my god like i can't imagine being in that world it looks awful they're stressed out they don't sleep they're coke addicted it just looks terrible and then i have other people who me, uh, message me messaged me on linkedin saying i got into finance because of this show no i see this is a really racial thing and i can't wait to get into morgan stanley because of this show and and that just makes me, makes me makes me very, very happy because <laughs> everyone's taking something from it.
3: I think, like, why is everyone so stressed out? Like, if it was me, like, I always like to believe that I'm different. When I, I, I absolutely know I would crumble under the pressure.
0: The thing about the characters in industry is that on the whole, they're actually quite good at their jobs. Yeah. But if you were in that environment and you don't know what you're doing, then it's just awful.
3: Because the show is just so... It's just constant. It's non-stop. It's just, like, from the moment you start watching until, like, the end of the very last season, I was like this was the most stressful thing i've ever watched in my life and i i need about 50 more hours of it because it is so good so
0: thank you other than you know have people having an ambiguous reading of it the other the lovely reaction i always get is that like it felt like, i think the guardian said this themselves it felt like having 20 cups of coffee and then watching a tv so, you know that's another great compliment <laughs>
3: With Succession finishing, there is now a gap in the market for another show about a rich, dysfunctional family. And writers' rooms everywhere, I just want to let you know, we don't need any more caricatures. We don't need any more flimsy political messages. Just get on with great writing and hire me as a wealth consultant. thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed what you heard and if you did then please subscribe and leave me a review before I let you go I want to tell you that this year as part of the Guardian's partnership with Glastonbury Festival we have 10 pairs of tickets to give away for free to worthy winners just go to this podcast page and nominate someone to win a weekend ticket Car show nominations by Saturday 1st of April 2023 and it is open to UK residents aged 18 and over this is a Shantae Waystar Co-Pro. The episode was produced by CEO of Production, Hattie Moya, COO of Sound Design, Mao original music by CMO, Axel Kukutye, and the Executive President of Production is Maz Eptaj. See you next Thursday. Now, fuck off!
0: <laughs> this is The Guardian.